Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our morning service, Sunday the 10th of November 2019. This morning we are joined by Henry Capper, who takes his reading from James 1, verses 22 to 25, and brings us a message entitled, To the Word. If you have a copy of God, God's Word, which I hope you do, please turn with me to James chapter 1. It's been a while since we have been in the the book of James. It's been a couple of months actually uh, since we last studied uh, James and we're going to pick up where we last left off in James in in the first chapter of his his letter, the letter of of James. I'm going to start right just a few verses again this morning. James chapter 1, verse 22. Very famous words in James and in Scripture. And this is God's word. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So reads the, God, the word of God. And we ask him to bless the public reading of his word this morning. Uh, the famous uh, American pastor Chuck Swindle, Charles Swindle. Maybe you've heard of him before. He has written numerous books. He's a very well-known author and speaker he offers this uh, engaging illustration and I'm going to share it with you but it also inquires that you use a little bit of your imagination because you are going to be a part of this illustration. It's going to be all made very clear in a moment. So let's pretend that you, you work for me. I know that might be a difficult thought for you but just, just go with it. Imagine that you work for me. Actually more than that you are my executive assistant to the company that I have started, that I run, and you that I currently own, and you're my executive assistant. Over the last number of years, the, the company has expanded. Sales are, are going through the roof. So we have decided that we would expand and uh, establish the expansion of the company. Uh, we're going to uh, create a couple of new branches that are going to be in a couple of different countries. We're going overseas. We're going to be an international business. So to make sure everything uh, goes swimmingly, I am going to leave the company. I'm going to go to one of these uh, uh, branches to make sure that the expansion project uh, starts off well. And I'm going to leave you, my executive assistant, to be in charge of the flagship branch. But don't worry, you're not going to be left to your own devices. Um, I'm going to leave you all the relevant instructions and what you need to do in case of emergency. And don't worry, I'll be in regular communication as well. 
Every so often, I'll write you letters. I'll send you emails to to keep in contact and to to guide you well. So don't worry as I leave. You you'll, you're in good hands, and and I trust you. So I I, I pack my bags. I leave the country, and the months pass by. And I send you a plethora of letters and emails to help you and point you in the right direction. I tell you what my my expectations are. I'm confident that that everything will will be fine. I, I trust you. I've given you all the information that you need. In fact, I know that the headquarters are in safe hands. I believe in you. I know that you will do a good job. So the time finally comes and I make my long-awaited return. I make my way to to the main office and I'm eager to see how things are going. Though as I approach the main building, I am absolutely stunned to see the place in an absolute mess. The grass has not been cut in what seems like weeks, uh, years. Weeds have sprouted up everywhere. Some of the office windows are even cracked and broken. To my dismay, I, I, I walk into to the building and inside isn't much better. In fact, it's worse. The receptionist is busy doing her nails and chewing gum. She doesn't even lift her eyes to see who's at the door. I gaze around and notice that the place hasn't been hoovered in ages. The bins are overflowing with rubbish. I'm just just in total shock. I meet one of the staff members and and I inquire about your whereabouts. And they point down the hallway. As I I make my way down, I, I bump into you. I'm just beside myself, a mixture of shock and rage. I pull you into my office, which has since been turned into a TV room, and I ask you, what in the world has happened? What is going on? You respond, what do you, what do you mean? I say, look at this place. Didn't you get any of my letters? Did you not read any of the emails that I sent you? And you respond, Letters? Emails, oh yeah, yeah, sure, we got every one of them. As a matter of fact, we have started a letter study every Friday night since you left. We even divided all the staff into small groups so we could discuss all the things that you wrote about. And John, I have to say, some of the things that you said in those letters were really, really interesting. You'll be pleased to know actually as well that a few of us have actually committed to memorizing some of your, your sentences and some of the, the words that you give us in the letters. Do you know what? Some of us can actually recite some full letters. Do you know what? I have to say, those letters were really great. I reply, okay, okay. So you got my letters, you studied them, you meditated on them, you discussed them, and you even went as far as memorizing them. But what did you do about them? Do? What did we do about them? Well, we didn't do anything about them. In the professional world, as as far-fetched as that illustration is, such behavior and actions just verge on, on the totally absurd In fact, if you were to be involved in a situation like that, you would be sure to be unemployed after such neglectful behavior. But how absurd are we? 
as, as followers of God, when we hear the word of God and we don't have the slightest inclination or desire in our hearts to obey, obey it. We, we hear, we listen to uh, an illustration like that and we know that to be completely absurd and complete, just the sublime ridiculous. But yet how absurd and ridiculous are we if we come and we hear the word of God and we have no desire to put it into action. Unfortunately, throughout this world and throughout history, there's been many believers, followers of God, who have interacted and engaged with, with God's word like this. Many will, will hear it. Many will spend time reading it. Many will think of it as, as interesting. Many will even memorize it. Many will meet together to chat about it, to discuss it. But what in the world is the point in any of that if we are not going to adhere to it and allow the truth of God's word to impact how you live your life? And this is the point that the Apostle James is getting at in these first few verses, these few verses that we have read about this morning. If we are going to truly profit from the word of God, we need to simply obey it. If not, what James wants to say is that we are only fooling ourselves. Or how James puts it, we have only succeeded in deceiving ourselves. What James wants to implant into his audience and to ourselves this morning as well is that to actually hear God's word, we must do it. We must put it into action. Read verse 22 with me in James chapter 1. But be doers of the word and not hearers. Uh, sorry, uh, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. A lot of people will say this is the, the theme verse of the letter of James. You want to get the heartbeat of what James is, is talking about, what he wants to actually communicate to these dispersed Christians that are uh, facing intense suffering as they're outside of their homeland. This is, this is what he wants them to say. It's very hands-on. It's practical. James presents Christianity in real life. This is what real and authentic Christianity looks like. It's not high and lofty spiritual platitudes. It's not even really just reciting and memorizing God's word as great and as good as that is. We'll touch upon in a moment. To be a follower of Jesus for James is to be a doer of, of the word. And how James conveys this point and how he illustrates it is by contrasting two types of people. Two individuals and how they hear the word and really what they do with the word. We have uh, the wrong way and then we have the right, right way portrayed to us by James. So we'll start off by thinking about the wrong way in verses 23 and 24. The first person is the hearer of God's word, which James touches upon in these verses. And we have to start off by really stating the obvious. We can actually almost miss this. Hearing the word of God is a very good thing. We might 
we might read those few verses and we could very quickly jump into verse uh, 24 with the, the illustration, the analogy that James gets. But we, we need to just take a step back and think about what he says in verse 23. Hearing the word of God, listening, reading the word of God, that is a, a good thing. This person starts off well. It's a, it's a very helpful and edifying thing to come to a place like this as it's part of probably your routine to hear God's word, to hear scripture and to, to listen to something like this, to hear a sermon. It's good to have daily devotions. I'm sure many of you do that. You maybe start your day in prayer and reading God's word. That is a good thing. It's good to meet with friends to discuss about a particular passage of God's word. That is a good thing to do. I'm not not uh, undermining any of that. That is good. It is good to hear and listen and read God's word. We want to, to cultivate, I hope you're a person that wants to, to, to build healthy spiritual habits in your life. We want those practices to be part of our life. They're good. They're good to be part of our routine. So if you're, if you're able to tick any of those boxes, that be encouraged. Please continue to do those things. They are good for you. It's good to hear God's word. In fact, James really stresses the, the worth of, of the, the starting point for this person and by, by the analogy that he employs. And he starts it off in, in, in verse 23. And he says that this person is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. The, the hypothetical man, they, they, they look in the mirror and we get the idea and we... Of probably all, we all probably did this this morning. We looked in the mirror and we, we study our face. We don't just take a, a quick glance and just sort of, yep, okay, go on ahead. We, we study our face. We, we look at our hair. We look at our eyes. We look at our mouth. Maybe we look at our wrinkles to make sure that, that nothing is, is out of order. Everything's clean and, and looking, looking well. And the, and the more that we look into a mirror, the more that we, we notice. The more time spent looking into a mirror, looking at our, our natural face, the more that we'll notice. If we take a quick glance, we might not notice the eyelash that is, that is hanging out. So we, we might not notice that we maybe have some, something stuck in our teeth. But the more that we, know, we spend looking at the mirror, the more we will notice. Though... As I've already said, this is, this is an illustration. James is not literally talking about looking at our mirror and making sure our teeth are looking well. What is James really saying here? More specifically, what is, what is this mirror that James is talking about? For James, the mirror is, is the word of God. When we spend time reading and, and studying God's word, we, we will grow in, in our understanding of ourselves. The Bible paints a clear picture of humanity. That's one thing I love about God's word. It's not divorced from reality. It's not um, lofty. It's real and it's raw and it's honest. And the more we, we peer into the mirror of God's word, we have to come to the realization as we look at, at our, our natural face through the the lens and through the mirror of God's word, that our condition is is fairly bleak. We are broken people. Certainly outside of looking in the mirror of, of God's word, we, we can come to some sort of understanding from our daily lives. We know that that we're not perfect. We we get that. 
We know that we're not free from faults. Even the most militant opponent of God will not say that they're perfect. They will know that they make mistakes and mess up. However, this, this is just only a, a glimpse. It's only a percentage of, of the full story. When we look into this mirror, the mirror of God's word, we get the full story. We see the, the, the picture and the story unfold of how sin entered the world. And how it's affected every single person who has ever lived and breathed. It depicts the, the human heart as, as rebellious, as, as far removed from God. It teaches us that our efforts and good works are, are not good enough to reconnect us to our creator. The mirror of God's word also enables us to see the truth concerning ourselves. But, and gloriously so, how God has made a way to salvation. That is the mirror of God. Once we look at our, our natural face through the mirror of God, we see the bleak situation. But we also see how God has made a way to salvation. But therein lies a problem. And it's a problem that James picks up on in our verses that we've read. And it's the potential of self-deception. If we think that merely listening to the word of God, looking at this, looking through this mirror, means that we have accomplished what God requires, then, and what James wants to say is this, we are plain and simply deluded. Actually, we've left the realms of reality. We should partake in the practices I outlined earlier, but if we think that that is it, if we think we have arrived at spiritual health, then we are just like the first person James introduces us to. The raw and honest truth is that if we are not doers of the word, then the word has really not entered into our lives. So the real challenge for us this morning, for you and I, for the rest of our lives, is that we would seek to identify the parts of our lives, to look for the blind spots within us that are not doing the word. As we look at the mirror of Scripture, we look and we, we, will, be, we, will, be, we will identify where we are failing to apply God's word in our lives. It's difficult. It's challenging. For some of you, as, as I speak, things will come to your head. There will be different aspects of God's word that will crop into your minds. They may be apparent. There might be things in your life that you know, yeah, do you know what? I need to actually do that. I've been thinking about that for a while. I'm thinking about being obedient in that area of my, my walk and my following Jesus, but I haven't actually done it, and I need to just do it. Yes, we can pray to the cows come home. We can read scripture, but we just need to do it. For many of us, because of the problem of sin, sin blinds us to our own sinfulness, and many of the things aren't actually revealed to us. We have blind spots, places where we have not yet realized that change needs to take place. 
Let's read verses 23, 24 again. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. We can't overlook the seriousness James places on ignoring the word of God. If we spend time reading and listening to the word of God and then do nothing about it, spiritually speaking, that, that's a disaster. One, one uh, commentator says this, hearing is not necessarily the same as heart obedience. And we need to really think about that and, and understand that. The person who, who gazes into scripture and then walks away from it has received no blessing from God. No impact has taken place in their life. They've ultimately failed to appropriately respond to God. And this just isn't, uh, it's not a light matter, it's not trivial. Because once we look at God and we see who God is and his greatness and his transcendence, God is, is not seeking people to admire his words he is not just seeking people to appreciate their value to think of them as as interesting he's not looking people to recite them in moments of trouble as good as 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 appreciative as those things may be once we come to god's word god's word is a living and active word and surely if this is the word of God, and we know it to be a living and active word, it's not stale and dead and archaic, it surely drives us to action. Is there not a motivation within us for change once we come to God's word? When the word of God is, is evident in the life of a believer, it underlines the transforming power of the word once people see difference and change in your life, once they say faithful obedience to the word of God, it brings this book to life. And not that it's just words on a page, but it says that actually the author of this book is alive and is present and changing and transforming people day after day. It screams to a watching world. This is not just any old book. This is a living and active book. It has power to change and transform. That is the power of once we become doers of the word. But let, let, let's focus and let's change and let's think about, about the right way. The right, right way which James talks about in verse 25. Let's read that verse together. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If the first man could be characterized as somewhat foolish, then the second man is surely wise. This man is a doer of God's word. Just like the first man, he intently looks into the mirror of, of God's word, starts off well, he does the same stuff, he gazes into it, he searches God's word, he, he studies it. Though there's a, more of a, a, a greater sense of, of weight and value with this, uh, this individual. The word that, that, that James uses here that's translated into, into my English translation as, as look, it conveys something uh, much greater. It has the idea of, of a man uh, bending down, stooping low. 
to look into this, into this mirror. We read about that he, he doesn't stop, perseveres. He keeps looking. It's a, it's a continuous act. Just sort of get the idea of, of a man. He, he, he looks into the mirror. He's looking into the mirror. And he takes a step back and he thinks of his own life. And then he goes back to the mirror. Looks again into the mirror. And then he takes back. He steps away. But he, he's constantly going to the mirror and thinking of his life. Going back to the mirror and thinking of his life. This is the man that is, that is looking at the mirror of God. This isn't just a once-off gaze, looking into God's word, and well, that, that'll do him for maybe a couple of weeks or so. No, this is a, an individual that's constantly going back, constantly looking into this mirror, constantly reading and listening to God's word. The second man keeps coming back to God's word to get more truth and to see where change needs to take place in their life. And the big difference is this, it doesn't stop there. He hears the word of God, it penetrates his heart, and he puts it into action. James uses a couple of interesting phrases that hopefully you picked up on once he talks about um, the word of God in verse 25. He says these two phrases, uh, the perfect law, and then he also says the law of God of liberty and i suppose the natural question for us is what's he actually talking about why does he say these two phrases what's he trying to convey well once he says about the the perfect law he's echoing uh, the words of the psalmist psalm 19 words that we read last week uh, together it says this the law of the lord is perfect reviving the soul the testimony of the lord is sure making wise the simple and really what uh, James is saying, it's very simple, straightforward, perfect law. It underlines that God's word is, is complete. It's the perfect law. Think about Jesus. Jesus came to, to, to fulfill the law. This includes Jesus. This includes the gospel, the good news of Jesus with James saying this. But he also says about the law of, of liberty. It's very simple. Again, conveys the idea that the word of God brings us freedom and out of the bondage of sin. So as the second man peers into the mirror of God's word, he sees it as the beautiful, life-giving word of a gracious and transcendent God. And because of that, he allows it to shape or reshape his life. He realizes that these words are not just the words of man, but have been inspired from heaven and therefore come from a holy God which makes demands on his life and soul. And biblically speaking, true knowledge, which comes from God's word, demands action. It can't be separated. I hope you're, you're getting a sense of that this morning. You need to think of it as two sides of the one coin. If we try our best, and divorce them we have entered dangerous territory if we fail to obey the word of god we actually open our lives up to spiritual damage we open up open our lives up to how god did not want us to live if we continue to to disobey and that can take a couple of forms once you think of disobedience sometimes it can be very can be um, explicit uh, and complete a rejection. It also can be um, out of neglect as well. But if we continue to disobey, 
then we continue to let sin take form in our lives. And the ball, the snowball builds. And we move further away from God's word. We move away from true knowledge. And the truth of the word then starts to look less glorious. And once we read God's word or maybe come to listen to it, once we're not being obedient to it, once we, once we have that in our lives, the word of God starts to look more burdensome, more legalistic. We see the demand on our lives, but we don't see the God and the love of that God who's compelling us to live in a certain way. But on the flip side, if we are obedient, James makes it quite clear. He offers a beatitude here. Blessing will come. As James says, the doer of the word will be blessed in his doing. As we faithfully comply with the truth of scripture, more truth will be revealed to us. This is, this is what he's talking about with the blessing. It's not that, do you know what I mean? It's not, he's not advocating prosperity here, that uh, we'll be rich and healthy. No, that's not what James is doing here. More truth will be revealed. We, we could put it another way, which will maybe help us think about this. The more that we look and gaze at the gospel of Jesus Christ and allow it to shape our lives, the more beautiful it will appear. Once we are doers of the word, once we hear and we put it into action, once we are faithfully obedient, God will open up our hearts and lives. And he'll open up different angles, different viewpoints of his, his glorious, life-changing gospel. We won't just see it as, as a 2D shape, but we'll see it as multifaceted, lots of different shades, lots of different angles, lots of different aspects, lots of different implications, so much truth contained within it, so much implications and applications to our lives. We'll see the gospel for what it is, the greatest news in the world. We'll not just see it as just something that we say and just something we maybe knew and memorized in Sunday school, but we will see it as God's salvation, God's remedy. God will open it up and will reveal it to us in such an incomprehensible way the more obedient and faithful we are to it. The more obedient and faithful we are with truth, more truth will be revealed to us. There's so much, and as, as I was thinking about this, this sermon as we, as we draw things to a close this morning, I was thinking about well, what particular application. There's so much specific application that could come with doing the word. I could, you could focus on so many particular things that, well, we need to do this about church attendance, about uh, commitment, about, um, about our ethics, about our, our morals, about um, sharing the gospel. There's just everything that could be covered um, in, in what we have to do as followers. But I just want to think, uh, just think about one particular thing that I think is relevant to us this morning. I want us to think about what we're actually participating in right now. You're, you're hearing God's word and, and I pray that as you come to a place like this this morning, you come not so much just to hear, as good as that is, but you come to be changed and then to, to obey. 
You may come each Sunday to a gathering of Christians. And within that meeting, you, you, you'll, you'll hear a sermon, hopefully based and grounded in, in the word of God. Some Sundays, and we all have some days, some Sundays like this, where we might get something out of the sermon, might think that was really good and challenging and powerful. Maybe there's other Sundays that we, we just don't seem to connect with it. But for the benefits of our, our soul's health, whenever we are moved by a sermon or by extension, once we read something impactful in, in our devotions or have a good conversation, please do not be static. Do something. It's, it's very simple. It's not rocket science. Don't be static. Do something. Move in the right direction. Allow the truth contained within God's word affect your life. There's no real reason good enough to excuse you from action. There's an English pastor. Uh, his name goes by uh, Vaughan Roberts. He's the minister of Synebs in, in Oxford. And he, he says these um, he says this, these wonderful words. It's, it's compelling, but also uh, convicting. It's going to be on the screen behind me. I'm going to read it as well. He says this. It is fairly easy to turn up at church on a Sunday, say some prayers, and sing a few songs. Anyone can say, I believe in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Anyone can sing, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. But, here's the real heart of the issue. But true worship means more than that. It's not just words, but actions as well. For I show what I really think about Jesus by the way that I live. To truly worship, I need to change the whole direction of my life. It's easy to come, in one sense, to hear. It's easy to say and to sing lovely songs, and that's great. And we do that out of hearts of worship and uh, gratitude but true worship true obedience means more than that it's not just lip service it's actions and he convicts us he convicts my heart for i show what i really think about jesus by the way that i live god is inviting you and and i um, to look into this mirror the mirror of his glorious word and to allow it to shape you if you do, he will mold you into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. And this is what James wants to say to us. He wants to say three things. He wants you to continue to hear, to look into the mirror of the word. He wants you to do that word. And with that, you'll be blessed by its glorious truth as more truth will be revealed to you. Amen. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for, for your word. Lord, we, we ask humbly that we would not just see it as, as words on a page. We would not just think of it as, as thoughts in our heads. Lord, thank you that you have revealed your truth to us. God, we realize that this is your word. It is the living and active word. And it would be a total shame. It would be a tragedy if we were just to, to hear it, to think about it, to acknowledge it as, as interesting and, and even good and not let it impact and influence our lives. Lord, help us to be followers of, of your son, Jesus, that puts your word into action. Let us not be neglectful 
in that. Help us to think of your word. Help us to meditate on it and give us the motivation and the desire and the willingness to be obedient to it. Thank you for the promise that once we are, once we are obedient, we will be blessed because we will be a better witness of you. You will reveal more to us of yourself. I pray that we would believe in that. And that is something that we would want in our lives, something that we would seek, something that we would truly desire. Lord, in those moments when, once we, we, we have the appeal and, and the temptation not to be obedient, Lord, speak to us, help us to remember that it is far better to obey you than to turn away from you and walk away. God, help us in those moments. We need your help. We can't do this on our own. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.